Every Sunday, we get to sing the story of how you were so faithful, how when we thought all hope was lost, that you showed up. We give you praise, and we give you glory, and we, we live in the hope of what you can and will continue to do in us, through us, and in our world. In your name, amen. All right, if you are a kid, you are welcome to head down for our kids' programs. If you're a kid at heart, you are welcome to serve in our kids' programs. We'd love to recruit you. Um, it's good to be at church this morning, and it's fun. I actually love the services where we get to see some of the amazing worship videos that we've created. We get to worship with them, and we get to let those that serve so faithfully almost every Sunday actually get a Sabbath rest. Because God created us not just to work, but to rest. And it's good to be able to honor that together. I'm excited for that. And if it's your first Sunday here, I'm so glad you're here. Um, please find a chance to say hi to me. My name's Michael. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. And if it's your 40th, 400th, 4,000th Sunday here, I'm excited for you because I believe that God wants to keep speaking. God keeps wanting to reveal more of who he is, how he wants to have a deeper, more meaningful relationship with you. And this morning we're in a series, and it's, we're calling it a series. It's actually, we're only doing two weeks. Last week was uh, Shell Bass and Summer in the Psalms. Today is me, Summer in the Psalms. There's a video that some other churches are using of the sermon, but I was like, I don't want to watch this video of me preach. I think it's more fun if I actually get to do it in person. So that's what's happening. And we're in Psalm 89. And I got to get my notes out here, see where we're going. And we're in Psalm 89, and the title of the message is an interesting one. The title of the message this morning is Liar, Liar, Pants on Fire. Because I just like to stir stuff up. And what you'll discover is that this psalm is actually a song where a guy, or maybe a girl, we don't know, but a human called God a liar, liar, pants on fire. So that's where we're going. But before we get there, a little bit of a story. So at one point in my life, I was a youth pastor, and there was a point that I was planning this youth camp. And this youth camp was not a normal youth camp, because normally for a youth camp, you like drive out into the mountains, you drive for a couple hours, maybe you have a gravel road and you get to this little camp in the middle of nowhere and it's great and it's cool. This one was better. This one, we drove to Horseshoe Bay, we got on a fair, we, and it wasn't like a normal fair, we, it was like a, rent, like a ta water taxi, like we rented a boat and they took us in a couple boats, 40 youth and then like another 15 liters and they took us to an island, and they dropped us off on this island. And all there was on this island was a camp. And it's amazing. Like, you can imagine as a teenager how magical it would be going to a camp on an island. And these youth are excited. And some of them are like youth group kids that have been doing this for years, and they know what's going on, and they're so excited because they've been hearing about it for years. Other ones of the youth on this trip had just been invited by a friend. It was the first time ever going to any sort of church camp thing. And they didn't know what they were getting into, and they're like, telling their parents, hey, let me go with these Christian people to this camp on an island, and it'll be great. Don't worry, nothing bad will happen. Their parents trusted us for some reason. So we get to the island. It's the first day, night. Everyone's excited. It's like, okay, settle down in your cabins, and then meet at the dining hall for dinner. And we all, uh, we manage to wrangle everybody, sit down for the first dinner. It's a little crazy. People are antsy. And dinner, we hear, is nachos and wings, and we're excited. 
Because who doesn't like nachos and wings? If you are a teenager, you don't have to worry about getting fat. Like, you're good, right? Like, you're going to burn it off this weekend for sure. Great. No worries about health. And they bring out the nachos, and we're like, oh, man, this is a great appetizer. And we eat all the nachos, and they're wiped out. And they bring out the wings, and we're like, oh, you guys must have, like, a hard time cooking them, and they must be coming out in batches because, like, there's a plate, like, this big for a whole table, and there's, like, about half a wing per person. And then we keep waiting for more wings to come out, and no more wings come out. And I don't know if you know anything about feeding, like, 17-year-old guys, or even me, but, like, a little bit of nachos and half a wing is not a meal. That's barely a snack. And there's hanger in our camp. And the church kids are like, this is weird. This hasn't happened before, but it'll be okay. The youth that came, that never been to a church camp before, are like, what did we get into? Is this like low-key, like a survival situation? Like... Are we going to have a tribal council soon? And the tension in the air was palpable as we had this like slowly break to the kids, this is all the food we got. It's time to go on to the next thing. Hopefully there's better food tomorrow. And I'm in the weird spot. I'm in charge of this. That's my first time going to this camp. I don't know the camp director really. I just like talked to him like for 30 seconds. I'm like, what do I do? Do I try to pretend that this is okay and that we aren't starving and that this is just okay? Do I just like fake it and just go, hey, that we're only good vibes here, only happiness. It's all good. This is the happiest place on earth. We're happy. We're good. Or do I pack up our bags and we leave and just be like, you know what? We're done with this camp. They, they're not going to feed us. We're out. Like get the water taxi back. We're going home. Like give up on this. Or do I have the uncomfortable conversation with this guy that I just met and be like, hey, so what's going on with the food? Like, we are paying you to feed us and you are not feeding us and we are trapped on this island and we are starving and we, this is not okay and this is not good. We've got a problem here. You have broken my trust. I gave you a lot of trust. I have 55 people trusting me to feed them and I was trusting you to feed us and we've got a problem here. There's so many times in our lives that we end up in situations where we have to trust people. Every time you go to your barber or your hairstylist, there's a certain amount of trust that they're not going to ruin your life for the next month or two, right? And if you store your money in the bank, maybe some of you store it under your bed, but if you store your money in the bank, there's a certain amount of trust that when you go back to the bank, they'll give your money back to you. And our lives are full of moments of trust. But sometimes our trust gets broken. And so we have lots of terms for that, like liar, liar, pants on fire. Somebody's full of it. Sometimes we just call them a politician if we don't trust them. You know? Our lives are full of having to trust, and sometimes it gets broken. And we're so used to that. But then when it comes to following Jesus, being followers of Christ, we often call it our faith, which is another word for trust, right? And we're like, I have faith in God. I have trust in God. But have you ever seen God break someone's trust? Have you ever seen God seem to promise something and then just fail? 
One of the most heartbreaking things I've seen in my life is when I'm working with kids and like a kids program like they're doing downstairs. And you get to know them and you ask them what's going on in their life. And sometimes you'll be like, hey, do we have any prayer requests? There'll be a kid that for months, every week, they say, pray for my grandma or my grandpa. They have cancer. Pray that God would heal them. And you pray for them every week. And you see this kid have trust that God is going to heal their grandparent because they're like, why would they let them die? If God's good, he's not going to let them die. He's going to keep them alive and heal them. Every week for months. And then there's the week where they don't ask for prayer because they passed away and they're crushed. And their trust is broken. And we see that with small children where we go, you're a small child, you don't get how it works. It's okay. But then we get older and if we continue to follow Jesus, there's times where maybe God leads you to move somewhere, take a job. And then the job, you move somewhere and you get fired. And you're like, what were you doing, God? Or God leads you to reach out to someone and have a conversation with someone. And instead of it bringing peace and reconciliation and making that relationship right, it actually goes up in flames and blows up in your face. And you're like, God, was that really you leading me to do that? You broke my trust. And that's what we're dealing with this morning. What do we do when God is the one that we want to call liar, liar, pants on fire? And Psalm 89 is a really long psalm. It's about 52 verses. So it's going to be a little while to read through it. Actually, I'm going to summarize a lot of it. Um, but Psalm 89 was a song written by someone that we decided was important enough and significant enough in what it said about who God is and who we're meant to be in our relationship with God that we've kept it in the Bible for thousands of years. And the first couple of verses are about God is so faithful. God is so faithful. And, they, and the psalmist sounds like they're so full of faith. And then this, verses 3 to 8 get a little bit more interesting. And they're a little bit more informative because they say, God made an eternal covenant to the Davidic line, which, is a, which who knows what the Davidic line is in eternal covenant. But basically, God at one point in history said, I'm going to choose this nation. I'm going to kind of have them be the nation that I have a close relationship with to show what it means to really follow God and to have God work with them and be an example to all nations and be a blessing to all nations. And that was the nation of Israel. And there's a point in their, the history of the nation of Israel where they started having kings. And they had a first king, Saul, who did not work out well. And then the second king was David. And he was an amazing king. And he was a man after God's heart. And he was close with God. And God at that time made a promise or a covenant saying, there will I will continue the dynasty. I will continue the line of kings from David forever. It'll be a never-ending kingdom. So David's son will be a king, and then his grandson and great-grandson forever. There will be no end to it. This is a huge promise to the nation, because they're like, hey, if, we can always, if this line of kings never dies, then our nation's never going to die, and God's always going to be with us. And so the psalmist digs into it. The writer of this song digs into it and said, God made this promise the line of David would last forever. It would be eternal. And then he talks about how powerful God's angel army is and how faithful God is again. Continues on and talks about how God rules creation and God's righteousness. Talks about God's character, God's justice, God's unfailing love, and God's truth. It sounds like such a hype song for God. Like, God is so good. 
Like he's, like he's just never failed. He is so good and he made this promise and we're so excited about it. And then verses 19 to 37, which is a long chunk, they dig into the details of this commitment to David and how this promise to David, there are some conditions of like, hey, if you do this, then I'll bless you. If you do this, then I'll make life difficult for you. But no matter what, the line of David will continue forever. And then it starts to get interesting. In verses 38 to 45, there's mention, there's a line where the songwriter says, but now you've rejected him, talking about David, and cast him off. What? You made this promise that was going to last forever. You rejected him and cast him off. Everyone who comes along has robbed him, and he has become a joke to his neighbors. And they're like, the followers of God at this time, the people of Israel had trusted God with this promise that he, he was going to give them a king and a kingdom forever, they thought. And what actually happened was their nation, the line of David, the king of, from David's descendants, had been taken out. And the nation itself had been taken captive and enslaved by another nation. And they're like, everyone thinks you're a joke, God, that you're full of it because we're wiped out. They laugh at us. Everyone who comes along has robbed our nation and we have become a joke to our neighbors. You have strengthened our enemies and made them all rejoice. I want to read verses 46 to the 52 because this is where it gets really interesting. Oh Lord, how long will this go on? The writer of this song is having a bad day. It sounded like they had so much faith in God. They were so good, and now they're having a bad day. I don't know if you've ever been there. I don't know if you've ever had times in your life where you have an awesome worship service on Sunday, and you're just singing the praise song. You're like, God is so good. And then Monday hits, and you're like, where did you go, God? Oh, Lord, how long will this go on? Will you hide yourself forever? How long will your anger burn like fire? Remember how short my life is, how empty and futile this human existence. No one can live forever. All will die. No one can escape the power of the grave. God, am I going to die without you? Am I going to die with you just abandon me? Did you just ghost me and disappear? I'm just going to die without you. This is not sounding very much like a praise song anymore. Huh. It continues on. Lord, where is your unfailing love? You promised to David with a faithful pledge. Consider, Lord, how your servants are disgraced. You have embarrassed us. You have broken our trust. You promised to David the leader, and now the followers of David are all disgraced and embarrassed because you broke their trust. I carry in my heart the insults of so many people. Your enemies have mocked me, O Lord. They mock your anointed king wherever he goes. Oh, and praise the Lord forever. Amen and amen. That's weird. This is one of those things where I was like, what is going on here? And it turns out the book of Psalms is actually not one book. It's five books. There's five different books of songs put together. And each book kind of has a beginning and end. And the traditional way to end a book is to have a doxology, an ending note. And so verse 52, where it's like, praise the Lord forever and amen, was not what the original song included. That was just put on to end the book. The original author ends with, your enemies have mocked me, O Lord. They mock your anointed king wherever he goes. The end. 
don't know about you, but I, I kind of expect at the end of this song, there'd be like a postscript, like a PS, the author of this was mauled by a lion or struck by lightning, and we burn their song because it was such an attack on who God is and such a disgrace and so disrespectful and dishonoring to God, right? Like you kind of wonder, like you're like, if I yell at God and say, you're full of it, you're a liar, liar, pants on fire, am I going to get away with that? Is my car going to like crash on me or something? I don't know. So why is it here? Why is this in the Bible? Before the promise to David, in the Bible, there's a lot of different promises that God made, and that some of them are really significant, so they're called a covenant, and they're normally labeled with the person that God made that with. So there's the Davidic covenant, but if you go back before that, about a thousand years, there's a promise that God made to Moses, to the people of Israel, because God had made a promise to Abraham, I'm going to make a great nation out of your descendants. And they multiplied, and he had so many kids, and there was a start of a nation, and they ended up as slaves in Egypt, and they lost all hope. And then God brought them out of Egypt and freed them and brought them out into a land to actually be a nation. And then when they brought them out to be a nation, God had a conversation with a guy by the name of Moses. And with Moses, he set, made another promise, a lot of promises in a lot of directions. And this was kind of saying, hey, if you're going to be my people, here's what it means to really follow God. And at the start of describing what it means to really follow God, the promise of Moses, and this is what Moses passed on from God. Moses says, and now Israel, as followers of God, what does the Lord God require of you? What's the basic requirements? What are the basic rules? What does God really want from you? He requires only that you fear the Lord, your God, that you respect God and live in a way that pleases him and love him and serve him with your whole with heart and soul, with all of your heart and soul. And this is the why. Because our hearts are not a place, our whole heart is not just a place of happiness, a place of joy, a place of everything working out, a place where nothing bad happens. Our heart is a place that experiences all of human life. And all of human life there's some beautiful moments. There's moments where you see a newborn baby and it just fills you with life. There's moments where you hold somebody's hand when they pass away and you're filled with loss. God created us with human hearts that have so much in them. And he says, I want you to love me with all of your heart. And so your whole heart comes with hurts. Your whole heart is not a simple little thing that's just a ball of positivity. Your whole heart is what God wants, though. And the psalmist, the person who wrote this song, was bringing their whole heart to God. They were like, you know what? I wish I could just say how faithful you are. I wish I could just leave it there. But my heart is hurting. My heart is broken. God broke that promise to the people of Israel, and it was left broken for hundreds of years, for generations. And the songwriter chose to bring their whole broken heart to God with all of its pain, all of its hurt, all of its frustration, all of its disappointment and hopelessness. And it's interesting because Jesus, we're followers of Jesus. That's what it means to be a Christian. That's what 
our faith is about, is following Jesus. And Jesus set the example of what it meant to live fully as humans are created to live. And Jesus himself is famous for saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When he was dying on the cross, when he was being killed, he did not say, oh, guys, don't, no worries, it's all good. Only positivity here. He was like, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? God, why have you ditched me? Father, why aren't you here with me? He showed us what it looks like to love God with our whole heart. We're going to have moments in life where God isn't there, where the promise that he made to us seems to be broken. And he gives us, and we have options. We can pretend that maybe God didn't really mean it that way. Maybe, maybe I just misunderstood. I just got it wrong. It's not that bad. Actually, everything's all good. We can go into denial and just kind of be like, no, 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 no negativity here. Just positive thoughts, just good vibes. Or we can go, God, you lied to me, I'm out. Trust is broken, I'm out. Like on that island, I could have pretended that we weren't starving and just been like, hey guys, like, yeah, that's a full-size meal. You shouldn't be hungry. What's the problem with you? The problem's with you. It's not with your provider. And we can do that with God where we're like, oh, the problem must be with me. It must not be with God. I don't, can't have a problem with God. It must just be a me problem. Or we can just go, well, you broke my trust once, I'm out. I'm done. And Psalm 89, we see a different path. We see someone say, you broke my trust. You probably broke the trust of my parents and my grandparents. This has been going on for a while. But instead of running, but instead of pretending that just trying to make up a new story that makes it not sound that bad and being a little dishonest so we can be happy or just giving up, I'm actually going to lean in. I'm going to get closer to God by actually giving him my whole heart. I don't know what he's going to do with that, but I want to trust him with my whole heart and see what happens. And they didn't know. They might have had a clue that something might happen because God made this promise to Abraham of making a great nation and they ended up slaves for 400 years. And it was like, well, that didn't work. But then God freed them and brought out new life. And so they, they had evidence to go, God can be faithful and it might not work out the way we expect it to but they didn't know. And the writer of the Psalm, he could have just left God and been, I'm out. But instead he was waiting patiently and he didn't know how long. They waited patiently for hundreds of years and then the answer to that promise came. The line of David, the kingdom of David came back to life in Christ. Christ was actually a descendant of David, a grandson of 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 David. And he came back to life. And God brought not a physical kingdom, but a spiritual kingdom. And not just for the people of Israel, but for anyone on earth that wants to participate in that. And he was so faithful and he gave so much more. But if in that hundreds and hundreds of years of waiting, they said, hey, we're just going to pretend that, you just, that that wasn't what you said. And we're just going to move on. Then they would have had such a shallow relationship when Jesus showed up. And there would not have been much of a relationship there. And they would have had to start over. And if they had given up and just said, hey, I'm out. You've broken my trust once. I'm done. I don't get it. Maybe you're faithful in the past, but you're not faithful now. 
And they wouldn't have been there ready for Jesus to arrive and bring this new kingdom. It's interesting because often we are in that in our life. As a church, as followers of Jesus, we're in that space because Jesus said, hey, I'm bringing my kingdom, but also it's not all the way here yet. I'm going to come back soon and bring this new heaven, this new earth where there's no crying, there's no pain, there's no tears, there's no more suffering. And come back soon has been 2,000 years so far. So if we just look at that one picture, we look at the last 2,000 years, we can be like, uh, I don't know about you, God. I don't know. Uh, like, uh, uh, it seems kind of like maybe you broke your promise. Maybe you forgot about us. But when we look back to his faithfulness, bringing the people of Israel out of slavery in Egypt, when we look at his faithfulness, reestablishing the kingdom of David in Christ in a new and better way, we can live with hope. And that's great. That's great to live with hope. But what do we do in the moment? We love God with our whole hearts. We don't love God with a little bit of our heart, the positive part of our heart, that everything's working out good part of our heart. We love God with our whole heart. And so when you face pain and brokenness and disappointment in your life, when things you thought God would never let happen, happen in your life, if you really trust him, you move closer. You come to him with your whole heart, with your hurts. I come in with your whole heart, with your hurts, is what we call lament. The psalm, the song that we're looking at is called Song of Lament. There's actually books of the Bible that we mostly avoid because our culture is terrible at lament. Like there's a book literally called Lamentations. It's a book of lament that we don't know what to do with because our culture is like, hey, if something bad happens, we pretend that it didn't happen. Only positive thoughts. We're not a place of honesty. We're a place of happiness. But God wants our honesty. And so we step into Lament. And so in your life, whatever disappointment you have with God, whatever place of hopelessness you might have with God, whatever part of your heart that you're like, God, I don't want to get into that with you because you broke my heart here. If you want to come with lament, there's kind of five Ps of lament. I stole this from someone by the name of Glenn Packiam because he just wrote it out really well. I was like, that, yeah, I'm not going to do better. He says there's five Ps to lament. First is lament is a form of praise. If you're just complaining and saying, hey, you messed up and I'm done with you, that's a complaint. Lament is saying, you failed me and I don't get it. But, but what's happened doesn't, doesn't seem like your character. It doesn't seem like you. And so I trust you enough that I'm going to bring that to you. If I want to talk to that camp director about us starving to death, it would be because I thought that he didn't actually want us to starve to death. If I left the island, I would write a nasty letter being like, hey, you are a horrible person. You failed me. Or I could go to him in person and say, hey, you failed me. What's up with this? It's a form of praise. It's a form of hope that God will do something. It's a proof of relationship. One of the most heartbreaking things you can see is when a child gives up on crying because they don't believe their parent cares enough to show up. And they're like, what's the point of crying out to my parent? They're not going to care for me. Crying to God shows that we believe that he cares for us and he wants to be there. It's a proof that we have that relationship with him and that we believe that he's going to be there. Third, it's a pathway to intimacy. Like we talked about, when you bring your lament to God, it actually brings you closer to him and when things are going wrong. When you're going through crisis, when you're going through trials, when things are not working out, you actually get closer. So if he comes through, you actually have a deeper relationship. 
Fourth, it's a prayer for God to act. It's actually showing up and saying, God, you failed here and I want you to show up and actually fix this. Because I can't fix this, but I know that you could. I know that you can bring good out of this even when it seems like there's, we've lost all hope. Like I think of Jesus on the cross saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He felt abandoned and left alone. And he was crying out going, God, please show up. He was praying, God, please come back. Father, please be here with me. Which God did. And finally, it's a participation in the pain of others, which is an interesting idea. We live in a very individualistic society. It's my problem or it's your problem. But like we talked about for the last couple of months, following Jesus, following Jesus with one another. Your problem can also be partially my problem. My problem can also be your problem and how we walk to God with it. And part of practicing lament well is not just bringing your problems to God and your experiences of God's failures to him. It's when you see somebody else going through a situation where it seems like God's failed them and they're struggling with that and going to God with that and saying, God, why did you fail my friend? God, why did you fail my coworker? God, why did you fail my child? What are you going to do there? Because it really seems like you're a liar, liar, pants on fire. But I believe and I hope that there's more to this story and that you're going to change that. So it's an interesting thing. We know in human life that it's not all good times. There's some very difficult times. There's this weird mixture of both. And God has put us on earth in the middle of that. And so what are we going to do with it? With our human hearts, are we going to love God with our whole hearts? Are we going to bring our experiences of God seeming to fail us? our broken heart, our discouraged heart, our hopeless heart to God and say, God, please show up. I've seen you be faithful in my life before. I've seen you be faithful through history. Please show up. I want more of you. I want a closer relationship. I want my heart to become like your heart. Because if we do that, we give God the opportunity to make things right with us. When somebody you really care about you want a relationship to last with, does something that breaks your trust, you have to go to them and say, hey, this went wrong. Can we fix it? And give them that opportunity. With God, we want a relationship with him. When stuff goes wrong, we have to walk up to God and go, God, this went wrong. Can you fix it? And sometimes he changes the circumstance. Sometimes he changes our perspective. And sometimes we're waiting for generations, hundreds, maybe even thousands of years but we serve a God that has been faithful through history. He's going to continue to be faithful and bring us into a new life. So I want to just encourage you. Don't be a person of pure positivity. Don't be a person of, I will only say when God is making me joyful and happy and everything's going right. Choose to be a person that steps into all of your heart with God, shares all of your heart with God and with your community. Bring your lament, bring your hurts to God and let him grow closer to you and work in that. I just want to close this up in prayer. God, this is, this is a heavy, heavy message. 
Because for many of us, we have those moments where it seemed like you failed, those moments where it seemed like you didn't show up. Maybe we're in that moment and we're in the thick of it right now. And we're not going to bring our hurts to you unless we have hope that you can show up. If we give up, we're just not going to keep trying. We're not going to keep coming to you. So I pray that you would open our eyes, that we'd see, be reminded of those times that we've seen you be faithful, we've seen you work in ways that we didn't expect, that you'd inspire faith in us, that you'd give us courage to be vulnerable and open with you, God. There would be people that love you with our whole heart. There'd be people of honesty and integrity, trusting that you're a God of honesty and integrity, even when we don't see the big picture, even when what's going on takes a little far longer and it takes a different turn, a different path than we would ever expect. And we look forward to and we thank you for your faithfulness that we are going to see. In your name, amen. All right. Well, that wraps up the service for this morning. So I just encourage you, this week, if there's anything that God's put on your heart that you're saying, you see, you don't not give him in your full heart, pray to him. Maybe write it out in a journal. Maybe talk to a close friend about it and just walk through it. Let them participate in that pain with you. And let's be followers of Jesus together this week. All right, have a great Sunday. Have some coffee. If you see somebody you haven't met before, say hi to them. All right.